Hey, glad you could join us today on RK Ministries podcast, where each week we engage culture with biblical truth by sharing a message of truth and hope from a biblical perspective. Like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, find us on Facebook and Twitter, and hope that you enjoy today as you join us on this episode of RK Ministries podcast. Well, good evening, everybody. Hope everybody's had a great Lord's Day and a good opportunity to worship the Lord. Thought I'd go ahead and jump on just a little bit early to try to beat the uh, thunderstorm that is heading our way because out here where we live, if the wind blows uh, a little bit hard <laughs> or if it thunders too much, the power will go out. But hey, if that happens and we lose power on the video, I'm still going on my um podcast so you'll be able to catch it on the podcast so it reminds me and again i've been a slacker and the last two times we've done it and we're supposed to get some videos up on youtube and rumble but uh we had thunderstorms power went out lost internet so and then it just kind of slipped my mind so if everything works out tonight and i have time i'll try to get this up on youtube and rumble as well but uh it will always be on the podcast rk ministries Wherever you find a podcast, you can find that or get podcast. You can find that. So I'd encourage you to go there and to like and subscribe and to share and leave comments. Uh, all those things help with the with the algorithm and help get more people uh, on board. So uh, tonight we're going to continue our study in Ecclesiastes. We've made it to chapter two. Going to look and start in chapter two, verses twelve through seventeen for our uh, text tonight so i thought i would uh read that uh, section and then we come back and talk about it just just a little bit so the bible says so i turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly we've heard that already he's kind of given us that in a previous section in chapter two but he's coming back around to that for what can be what excuse me i can't read for what can the man do who comes after the king only what has already been done then i saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness the wise person has his eyes in his head but the fool walks in darkness and yet i perceived that the same event happens to all of them then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. While the, why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart, that, is, that this is also vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies like the foolish, the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. So may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. So we've met Koheleth, right? The, that's, the, that's the official title of the book. Uh, Koheleth, which really is a Hebrew word that has to do with one who gathers an assembly. And so just by way of reminder, uh, obviously this is Solomon, I believe. This is Solomon who is writing this. Uh, in the English translation, we have preacher. Uh, so it is 
preacher, the Kohelith, who assembles the people to instruct them. And so Ecclesiastes in that way is sort of a a sermon, if you will, and an instruction. And you remember early on we made this contention that what Solomon is actually trying to do is that he is trying to get us to contemplate the idea of the meaning of life and to understand ultimately that if you have this equation where you have life on one side and nothing on the other side, then there is in fact meaningless and emptiness to life. But if you have life on one side and his ultimate conclusion is going to be and God on the other side, it is God who brings meaning to life. And so everything that we're reading about in Ecclesiastes so far is Solomon going through this idea of trying to find meaning in life apart from God. Not that he's an atheist and that he doesn't believe in God because he mentions God all through this, uh, in several, or at least in several places as we go through this, he mentions God. So he believes in God, but he's trying to drive home this point that if you look at life merely from a human, temporal, earthly perspective, that it is, in fact, uh, hebel or vanity. All right. It is, in fact, emptiness, like trying to grab the wind. You, you can't do it. There is no meaning in life apart from God. And so far, what Solomon has done, and I do believe this is Solomon's story, because uh, as he begins to tell this story, he identifies himself in the, in the, in the introduction as the preacher, the, the son of David, right? So we, we believe that Solomon and then he comes down later when he begins this narrative to tell us that it is, in fact, this preacher, Solomon, who is unfolding this story for us. So he is the one who has pursued, fought through this process, okay? And so he's tried wisdom. That's the first thing he tried to find meaning in life merely from uh, the standpoint of human wisdom. Remember, this is wisdom, not necessarily uh, from God's perspective, this is him trying to find meaning in life merely from human wisdom, human understanding, apart from God in the story that he's unfolding for us. And then he says, hey, that's vanity. And then he goes on to pleasure. And he tries all types of human pleasure to try to find meaning in life. Maybe there's meaning and value in life that can be found in pleasure. And again, this is merely human pleasure, no concept of God in the picture to bring about meaning of life. And he finds out, hey, this is vanity. This is emptiness. And we made the point. There, there are so many people in this world today that try to do both of these things. They try to they try to find meaning in life merely from human wisdom perspective. There are plenty of people in this world who pursue countless hours, countless years of education, countless years of um, trying to ascertain wisdom and try to use that wisdom to ultimately bring meaning and satisfaction to their life. And now we're going to see, as we read in the text, Solomon says, hey, there is value in wisdom, but wisdom alone can never bring true satisfaction and never bring uh, true meaning in life because you really can't have true lasting in wisdom apart from the wisdom that comes from God. And the same thing with human pleasure. Human pleasure can never bring satisfaction, where it was, whether it was, in Solomon's case, you know, alcohol or, or whatever it was. 
that he pursued. There was no lasting meaning and value in any of them. It was all fleeting, and you always need more to try to bring that same level of satisfaction. So it is a grasping at the wind. It is a, it is a shadow boxing kind, kind of thing. And so he comes back around to wisdom. Maybe I'll try wisdom again. And we see in that opening statement, he says, I'm going to try wisdom, madness, and folly. And again, a lot of people say there's not a whole lot of distance between wisdom or genius and, and uh, you know, madness. Uh, so uh, with, with Solomon, obviously was, uh, was a genius level uh, human being, wisest man in, in the history of humanity. Um, and so he goes back to wisdom and he, he tries both wisdom and madness and folly. And there are some, and I think rightly so that do look at madness and folly as representing the same concept. It's not that these are three different ideas that he tried. It's really two. It's wisdom, and then some people even translate like this, mad folly. All right? It, it is, is the madness of folly uh, so that he pursues. And so he tries both ends of this, this spectrum of wisdom, those you know, the end where you, you have wisdom uh, and then the other end where you abandon all wisdom and you live in foolishness and folly. Uh, and he finds in both of them, as we see in this, that there is absolutely no meaning in life in mere wisdom nor in folly. And so, again, verse 12 reads, So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. And again, we've already seen this concept early on in chapter one. I think it was there's nothing new under the sun in the sense that humanity continues to go through the same things over and over again uh, in our throughout history. There, there is absolutely nothing new, and we've talked about that a little bit. And I, I know uh, when we look around us, we see a lot of things that Solomon wouldn't have had, right? He wouldn't have had television. He wouldn't have had this cell phone that I'm recording on or uh, the video I'm doing with the cell phone and the audio I'm recording on another cell phone and this microphone to make all of that work and electricity that we have in the house. Uh, but Solomon had communication, and these are just different levels and forms of communication that have advanced through history, but men have communicated, and we've just found different ways to go about communication. So in that sense, there is nothing new uh, under the sun, and the king that comes after Solomon, what's he going to do? He's going to ponder these same questions. And so again, it validates this idea that Solomon is trying to leave uh, an instruction for the generation to come and he's trying to walk through this walk through the thinking out of the meaning of life which every generation does in some way or, or another and he realizes that the person coming up behind him is going to do the same exact thing uh, that he is doing <coughs> and again this is wisdom uh, human wisdom in the sense that it is a it, it doesn't have god in the equation and so if that is the only thing we pursue to find happiness, we'll never find happiness in, in wisdom alone. We must, we must have God as part of this equation in order to find true lasting uh, meaningness, meaning and happiness uh, in, uh, in this. We'll start over for me. There we go. Starting over. All right. So far, verse 12 again. 
So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly for what can man do who knows who comes after me? What can the man do that comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Wisdom alone cannot bring happiness or meaning to life. Then, let's see, I'm just trying to read my notes here. That alarm discombobulated me just a little bit. Oh yeah, I found this this uh, I, this quote or this thought from Richard Dawkins. You know, Rick, Richard Dawkins is he's older now, but he's he's one of the premier um, atheists in our world. Um, I think he's a biologist uh, of some uh, a biologist by trade, uh, and he's written probably his most popular book is The God Delusion, and he's he's he's. I, you know, I want to use the term evangelical atheist. <laughs> He's one of those who hates religion and thinks all religion is stupid, and that um, uh, those who use religion it's a it's a it's a prop for them. But religion to him, you know, Joe Biden says that global warming is the existential threat to humanity. Uh, he thinks uh, Richard Dawkins thinks religion is that existential threat to humanity but uh, here's the philosophy from those who take God out of the equation because obviously he doesn't believe in uh, a creator and so there's an article that he wrote that had to do with the idea of uh, the advance or at least the the advancement of the human species the propagation of the human species and in that article, it has this concept in it. He, he talks about us being uh, replicators and vehicle selectors. So we have this replication machine. We are a replication machine, I guess is a better way of, of putting this. And so the sole, one of the sole reasons for our existence is just so we can propagate the species, which biologically that is part of what in biblically that's what god called us to do right to be fruitful and multiply and but he narrows it down to that is the sole purpose of humanity right and then so we live to replicate and then we die and there's nothing else right and he makes this quote in another article that he um that he wrote that had to do with and he may have a book about about this i, I saw it in an article that may have been related to this book but it's called the selfish gene um, by richard dawkins and in that he quotes this he says when when animals uh, we animals exist for uh preservation and nothing more than our throwaway survival we are throwaway survival machines and so that that's the idea uh that he has about humanity and so if that is the if that is the case the only purpose for us is to is to replicate there is no other meaning and we live and we die and we're buried and that's it and we are we are forgotten right and he, he comes to the same conclusions ultimately i think would have to that solomon comes to in this text whenever he sees uh, later on as we read that the same thing happens to the wise and and the the, the fool uh, in the end and so uh you know dawkins big picture is that there is no design there is no purpose there now he will acknowledge that there's design in the universe but he won't acknowledge that there's a designer who created that design uh, on purpose so in a sense he has he has um, 
you know, an ideology, a worldview that is flawed in, in the very uh, inception of it. But the ultimate end of it is there is no, there is no purpose. If you take it to its logical end with atheism, without God, if it's all happenstance and it's all about survival of the fittest, Darwinian, you know, evolution, then there, there is no foundation for morality. There is no foundation for good or evil. Uh, there is just the biological, natural, instinctual process that takes place. Uh, and when it's done, you're done. And something else comes behind you and takes over and continues to do the same thing. And so in that sense, there is no real true meaning and value in life. Now, those who are like that try to find meaning and value just in uh, what they determine is meaningful and value, valuable to them. But in reality, that's subjective and it, and it doesn't necessarily real, have real uh, eternal or lasting meaning and value because only true lasting meaning and value can come from the concept of a biblical worldview where there is a creator God who created this world, this universe, we humans uh, for a purpose, on purpose. And in him, we find our intrinsic value and worth. And we find that there is purpose and meaning in life because he has created, created us for a purpose in this world. And that's, that is the question that Solomon is uh, attempting to drive us to uh, contemplate. Is, it, does life have meaning apart from God? And the answer is no. Apart from God, life has absolutely no meaning. Then you get to verse 13. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there's more gain in light than in darkness. So there's this glimmer of hope. And I got this from the commentary. I can't remember the name of it. I didn't write it down. But this quote is not mine originally. It comes from the commentary I was reading uh, on Ecclesiastes. And so there is this glimmer of hope even in the concept of pursuing wisdom. And Solomon says, despite all this, I still find that there is value uh, in wisdom. And the, and the commentator says, perhaps it is true that wisdom is unable to straighten out what is crooked or to count what is missing. You know, we learned that early on in this journey. Uh, it may well be the case that having more wisdom increases uh, vexation and sorrow because the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, or the more you know, the more you understand that there is no real meaning and value apart from uh, a creator or God. It says, but all other things being equal, having wisdom is still better than the alter alternative, which is being foolish or living in folly and frivolity all of your life. So there's nothing wrong with the pursuit of wisdom in and of itself, but still you must understand that wisdom alone does not bring true value, meaning in life. And really what we ultimately need to understand is that wisdom, true wisdom only comes from God, right? Human wisdom, uh, there is a wisdom that is uh, of man, and but that wisdom is not necessarily true wisdom. True and lasting wisdom only comes from God. And so that leads us to verse 14. Uh, the wise person has his eyes in his head. In other words, he can see what is happening. He can perceive what is going on. But the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceived that the same event happens to all of them. So 
the wise person has understanding. He has some level of, you know, don't don't like this term, but uh, enlightenment, understanding. Uh, and so he can perceive the things that are happening around him while the foolish person walks around uh, oblivious uh, even to his own ignorance, right? And so he walks in darkness. So in that sense, wisdom has that useful uh, element uh, to him, to it uh, on our behalf. Here's an alternate translation of this particular verse. It's from T.M. Moore. And he says, I saw that wisdom was more valuable by far than folly. It makes sense to pursue the course of wisdom than to waste one's life in revelry and merriment. This was as clear as night and day to me. And so that's kind of a neat paraphrase of that particular verse. And that's really the intent of what Solomon is saying. Uh, wisdom is having that light of wisdom is better than walking around in the foolishness of darkness all of your life. Although it still may bring vexation and sorrow to you because uh, the more you know, the more you understand how frivolous and foolish life is apart from, uh, apart from God. And there is ultimately no meaning if, if this is all uh, that there is. All right. Then he says at the very end of this, and we'll jump back on this in a moment, but don't miss, don't miss that just because I uh, went through it real fast, is that the same thing happens to all of them. Now, we don't know in the outset exactly what he means by that, that the same thing happens to all of them. Well, we're going to find out that the same thing he's talking about is death, that no matter how wise you are, you die just like the fool dies. And so we all have to face that same uh, enemy before it's all said and done. Uh, then verse 15, then I said to in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. So the point is, why am I pursuing this wisdom when in the end there's nothing better for me than the person who lived a foolish life all his life? Why am I pursuing this wisdom and trying to gain this light of understanding while, this, while, while the same thing will happen to me that happens to the person who walks around in darkness all of his life with no understanding? It seems like it's all vanity and, and trying to grasp at the wind because there is no meaning because we all go to the same place and it's, then it's done and over. Uh, from this perspective that Solomon has given us in Ecclesiastes to this point. For, it goes on to verse 16. For, if the wise, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. And so now he gives us the explicit idea of what he meant when he said that the same thing happens to the wise that happens to the fool. The point is everybody's going to die. Whether you're wise or foolish, there's coming a day if the Lord tarries that every single person will die. One out of one, every one person dies, right? Obviously, we know Elijah and Enoch. Uh, in the Bible, those two were caught away by God or taken by God in that sense, right? So those two guys, not so much so, but everyone else that you know throughout human history has lived and died. And then you get a sense of the kind of 
even Jewish theology, if you read the Psalms, you'll see similar language when it talks about Sheol and the, the, the pit, the abode of the dead in, in Jewish thought was that you in that sense are there and you're almost in a state of non-existence anymore. Now, I think that there were uh, the Jewish idea that they ultimately, you know, at least the Pharisees in the, in the first century had this idea of a resurrection, but you know, this resurrection at the end where you would come and be uh, united with God in paradise and that kind of sense. But in the, in the interim, you were in this kind of, uh, you know, non-existent state maybe or this uh, sleep state if you will that that you were forgotten in the pit you were forgotten in, in sheol and that's the whole idea of of that ideology but even even on a real practical sense and we've talked about this before you know in a hundred years from now right you know i'm 55 years old uh, right now be if i live to next year obviously be 56 but i'm not getting any younger and you know the average lifespan of a, an american male is probably around 75 77 in there on average and then you have those who exceed the average that may live to be 80 90 right whatever god god knows how many days we have on this earth but the point is right even if i live to be 80 right you know less than 30 years uh, left and hey if you if you're 55 and you turn back and look and you say hey 30 years is not a long time because 55 years have gone by just like that right so the point of the matter is in a hundred years i'll be dead you'll be dead and and we will probably have long since been forgotten by everybody on planet earth save maybe one or two relatives who keep a scrapbook or do the family tree kind of stuff and so that's the idea that solomon's talking about if this is all that there is and when we die that is it we become maggot food and we are remembered no more then there is no meaning this is vanity what is the use of it? Why not eat, drink, and be merry? For tomorrow you die, right? Because there, there is nothing else. There is no hope beyond this. Well, if that's, if that's the way we, that we view creation and our existence apart from God, he's exactly right. But when you bring God into the picture, you and I realize, especially since we have the New Testament to shed light on that, not that the Old Testament didn't point to it, right? With Abraham and the promise to come and the Abraham would be a blessing to all nations and this seed that would come out of the, the you know, the, 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 the lineage of David, the root from the shoot of Jesse. Um, we had the Messiah that would be promised, the, the seed of the woman who would bruise the heel, the head of the serpent, right? We've had this promise of redemption all through the Old Testament, and we saw it absolutely realized in the person of Jesus Christ, who was the fulfillment of that promise. And now we can look back uh, and see that we have that hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus, that this is not all that there is, and death is not the end for those uh, who are uh well, it's not the end for anybody, really. I was about to say for those who are believers in Christ. Death's not the end for anybody. For those who are believers in Christ, those who are followers of God, those who are the children of God who have been redeemed by God in Christ Jesus, this, this thing called death 
is just the beginning of eternity for us to be in the presence of God for all of eternity. It is our hope that we will be with him forever and that we will be, our bodies will be raised from the dead. And when Jesus comes again, that he will rectify the curse that's on this earth that sin brought in and that uh, he will, uh, with him will be ushered in the new heaven and the new earth where God's throne will be among his people and we will be his people and he will be our God and we will be in his presence for all of eternity and that is that eternal hope that we have in Christ Jesus even beyond the death and that's beyond death and that's why Paul can write oh death where is your you know and he's quoting from the Old Testament really death where is your victory where is your sting the sting of death is sin all right but Christ has taken away the sting of death and Christ has overcome death he has been victorious over death so we have hope beyond this life and beyond uh, the grave for those who are believers uh, in Christ. And so we don't have to live the way that Solomon's talking about because we know where our hope is and it's in God, the creator of this universe who sacrificed himself in the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary on our uh, behalf. And that's where we find our meaning. We don't have to live in this idea that there is no hope beyond this beyond this life because there absolutely is in Jesus Christ. And then he ends this up. Now, if you come at it from Solomon's perspective in this, in Ecclesiastes at least, all right, if you come at it from Kohelet's perspective here, that when you die, that's it. There's nothing left, right? You remember he's at, talking about this question without God on the other side of the equation. And he comes to this conclusion. He says, I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. So it has no meaning, it has no purpose apart from God is really what Solomon is saying. And that will cause a person to despise and disdain uh, this life. But you and I need to understand that all of us will have to face this thing called death. And we need to be prepared for it, right? And you don't prepare for it the day of it. You prepare to die when you begin to live, right? You prepare to die right now while you have breath in your life. And when I say prepare to die, I mean preparing your eternal soul to face death. Because every human being is going to face it. And the only way to face this death is to face it in a in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You must be redeemed by the Lord in order to be suitable to stand before God when that day comes. And the only way you can do that is by repent and believe, right? Turn your heart to Christ, bow your knee to Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And so if you haven't done that today, then don't let the sun go down today before you do that. Don't let your head and your eyes hit uh, your head hit the pillow and your eyes close tonight before you have the assurance that if you die tonight that you can say with Paul to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because the converse is also true. If you're not a follower of Christ, if you have not been redeemed by Christ, you have not bowed your knee to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you died tonight, you're going to be absent from the body. Your spirit will be absent from the body, but it's not going to be present with the Lord. It's going to be in a place called hell. 
and you'll be suffering the wrath of God for the rest of eternity. Now, you'll be raised again just like those who are believers will be raised again. Believers will be raised to eternal life in Christ with a brand new body suitable to stand in his presence. You'll be raised if you die in your sin. You'll be raised with an eternal body suitable to experience the horrors of the wrath of God for all of eternity. And so today is the day of salvation, as uh, the Bible tells us. You're not promised tomorrow. It is today that you must come to faith in Christ. And it is in faith in Christ, it is in that life with Christ that you find true hope and value and meaning in life. And you and I need to get to the place as believers in Christ that we, as we talked about this morning in our sermon, we finished up our sermon on the Ten Commandments. We dealt with the, the, the commandment, you shall not covet. And Joe, you can go find that. I'll put that up on the podcast here uh, shortly as well. Um, but you can find that on Facebook as well. If you go to Friendship Baptist Church, find them on Facebook. And you can find that sermon where we talk about this idea. You know, covetousness ultimately is a denial of God's sovereignty in your life. It's the de- a denial of God's providence in your life. It is the deification of your own self as God over your life because you think God is not wise enough, strong enough, or able enough to take care of you. And so you covet what you think will bring you happiness, joy, and, and, and fulfillment and generally the, the, the sin of covetousness is you look at other people's stuff and you say if I had his stuff or her stuff then then that would bring me true happiness in, in life and when God says I promised you that I would provide for you and I will, I will meet your needs and so uh, in, in that sense uh, you and I need to come to this place that we understand that we can be satisfied with Jesus. We can be satisfied in God. We find our fulfillment and our total satisfaction in God and God alone. And we can face this world no matter what the circumstances bring us if we will find our true satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ and Christ alone. Then it doesn't matter what the circumstances are because he's with me, right? Uh, And he promised never to leave me. And in him I find my hope and my strength and my fulfillment. So anyway, that's where Solomon is right now. We'll pick up in uh, chapter 3. Uh, next time in chapter three uh, is where we get uh, the time for everything, uh, a little poetic aspect, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we go through those uh, those chapters. So uh, I hope this was beneficial and helpful to you. Probably looks twenty two, maybe thirty minutes if I take the other eleven minutes that when we, before we got cut off from the fire alarm, but uh, shortest one I've probably done in a, in a long time. So I uh, hope it's beneficial to you. Don't forget, go to uh, YouTube and Rumble and find us and like us there and share, subscribe, leave comments. Same thing with the podcast. Go RK Ministries podcast. You can find it wherever there are podcasts. Go like it, subscribe it, and share it. Uh, leave comments uh, so we can help uh, boost the, uh, the audience uh, participation in that. And uh, we'll start next Sunday. We're going to be starting in the Gospel of John at Friendship Baptist Church. So uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll tune into those. If you're not involved in a church anywhere, I encourage you to come uh, join us over at Friendship Baptist Church. We we are a church that uh, we, we do ex, expository preaching, verse by verse preaching through uh, chapters of the Bible. So we'll go all the way through the Gospel of John, not leaving one verse uh, unturned. Right, even those most, even those difficult ones that we don't like to talk about and deal with a lot of times, we'll talk about every single one of them to the best of our ability and see what God has to say to us in all of those. So, uh, 
that's that's kind of how we do teaching. We're family integrated, so we, we don't do age graded uh, divisions. We believe what the Bible says about how we ought to do church, and that's the older women ought to teach the younger women, and the and the older men ought to teach the younger men. And so well, we believe in we believe in family and the nuclear family, and that fathers ought to take the leadership role and disciple their their wives and disciple their children. And our aim is to help disciple fathers to do that and help disciples families to do that. Now that doesn't leave you out if you're not in a nuclear nuclear family right uh, because you still have a role and still have, have a purpose and in, in, in that case then the church is your family right and, and we can we as a church fill that gap in your life and then you can participate in sharing your influ or your uh, uh, your wisdom with those that are in the family of faith uh, as well so if that's something that strikes your fancy then you come join us and be a part of what we are trying to do in our community and in in this world and ultimately that's to point people to jesus christ and to be uh, obedient to the great commission to make disciples right uh, not just to get people on a roll not just to dunk them in a baptistry but to make disciples people who are obedient to the things that god has called them to do as they've given their life and heart to the lord jesus christ as lord and savior so until next time may the lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you